You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 274. Today I'm talking to my good friend Jen Casey about the powerful art of reframing. So, stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So, how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now, with over 3 million downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? James Wedmore here. Thank you so much for tuning in. How the heck are you? If you're listening to this on a Monday, I hope you are starting the week off right. It's going to be a good one. I am here in my office, actually came in on a Saturday to record this intro for an amazing interview I did that I cannot wait to share with you with my dear, dear friend, Jen Casey. We talked about a lot of things. Like These are one of my favorite types of calls because it's just like entrepreneurial chit chat in a lot of ways, but we uncover so much goodness. So if you don't know Jen, she's a business strategy coach. She's also a master NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming Practitioner from NYC, New York City. And she has a top rated podcast herself, the Inner Boss Podcast. We've linked that up in the show notes for you. And she helps online coaches think like a top earner and turn their social media into sales. And we talk about a ton of different topics. A lot of what we see is like a lot of the common pitfalls, like mental, emotional pitfalls of entrepreneurship. You know, you've, that's why you're here, right? Entrepreneurship is an inside job. So you're going to hear a lot of the lies and distortions that we tell ourselves that cause a lot of self-sabotage. You know, if you have these stories of feeling overwhelmed, confused, and stuck, we have a great conversation around like, kind of getting unstuck and unoverwhelmed and unconfused and why a lot of that is really happening. And a lot of this comes to conversations about reframing or changing your perspective, which is a very common theme on the podcast. And you're going to get to hear Jen's perspective on this. Also, she recommended or mentioned a fantastic book called The Four Agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz. And I read that years ago. I think I kind of just like skimmed through it, was not ready for it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to reread this. And I just reread it. Oh, it's so good. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. I love it. Uh, so this is on your weekly reading list, folks. James's book club of the week here. The Four Agreements. Don Miguel Ruiz gets a five-star rating from me. That first chapter, read every one of the words of that first chapter as slowly, like, like molasses just dripping off the tip of your tongue right there. Just enjoy every single word because it's so beautiful. It's oh, that first chapter talking about exactly what we're talking about in this episode about these agreements, these beliefs, which by the way, look at the word belief, be lie in your life. It's like being the lie of your life these limiting beliefs, these things that are not true, these distortions that we bump up against. And what a beautiful first chapter of just how we've built this entire world that we say like, this is the way it is, and this is reality, and this is life, when that is not anything 
close to resembling what life really is and to wake up from that dream. And I hope that we get to help you with that here. So we'll link that book up for you in the show notes. And uh, we tried to remember what the actual four agreements are and we couldn't, (laughs) we couldn't remember them all. If there's only four, we couldn't remember them. Jeez, I think the fifth one should be like, remember (laughs) better. (laughs) The four agreements, being impeccable with your word, being your word. Your word is your power. Don't take anything personally. You know, I don't really know how you're going to get very far as an entrepreneur, coach, personal brand if you take everything personally. Wow, what a great perspective that the author gives on not taking anything personally. Always do your best, number three, and never make assumptions. Four agreements that can transform the quality of your life. I just wanted to make sure I threw that out there for you because it was a great recommendation. Anywho, this is a fantastic interview. I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. Please let Jen and myself know your feedback, your big takeaways. Shout out to us on the Instagrams, you know, like screenshot, put it in your stories, tag us, let us know your favorite part. We appreciate that feedback so very, very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Without further ado, let's play that interview right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with my special guest and my dear, dear friend, Jen Casey. Jen. Hi. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> there was such I'm so a, excited to be there was, here. There was such a delay. Is it, is it the internet or you just didn't know what to say? No, I thought you, I thought you were going to say more. Oh, no, that was it. I'm done. That's all we have for today, folks. Thank you so much That's, for tuning in. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we start out today. No, I'm, I'm really glad you came on the show. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Let's start at the beginning, just for those who don't know you and aren't following you yet. Tell us a little bit about you. Uh, What do you do? Who do you help? How do you help them? All that good stuff. Yeah. So I am a business strategy coach and I work with online coaches specifically, many in the health and wellness field who want to turn their social media into sales. And I also really have a lot of fun bringing in a lot of my psychology background into the work that I do which really that's, that's something that is, it's something that I brought in a couple of years ago when I started to see where people were really getting stuck with the strategy where one person would have a ton of success. Another person would really be struggling. And I realized that it it really came down to a lot of what was happening internally, which is why I first started following you and fell in love Mm -hmm. with the mind your business podcast, because I really see so much that that is what is the missing piece within all the different strategies and things that people are learning online. Oh my goodness. And I want to talk more about that. I think I want to talk all Mm -hmm. about that in this episode. (laughs) Um, But you also incorporate a lot of, you know, what everyone calls the woo, Mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, big on manifesting and, and energy and all that. Do you incorporate that when you're working with your clients as well? I do. And I actually, that was really where I kind of started. One of the first books that I ever read was The Four Agreements. Mm, And I remember being probably in college before I was even in entrepreneurship. I was still pursuing a career as a, a musical theater performer. And I woke up on Sunday morning and Super Soul Sunday was on. And Oprah was talking to this guy, Don Miguel Ruiz. And I just looked at the TV And he had this beautiful lightness about him, this energy about him. And I thought, I don't know what that is, but I want some of that. I want to be around that. And I bought his book. I read it religiously. I would bring it with me to all of my auditions. And I ended up being like a co-leader for a love attraction meetup group that I did for like two and a half years. So I was like elbow deep in the woo long before entrepreneurship was really at the forefront for me. So remind me of the four agreements. It's be impeccable with your word. That's the one that really has stayed with me 
Yeah, there's. <laughs> Do I even remember what there's, they are? Um, Guys, they're so deep in my DNA so that I don't. Don't even take anything personally. Don't take anything personally. Always do your best. What's the last one? And what's the last one? We'll let our listeners cliffhanger. We'll let our listeners have, DM us on Instagram it. and remind us. It's a fantastic <laughs> book. And you said yeah. that the, the being impeccable with your word is is one that really stood out to you the most. Yes, very much so. And I think one of the biggest things that I got from that book, especially at the time being a performer, was that I would have like almost like little mini panic attacks before I would go into auditions. And I would have this flight or fight response in my body. And it was really debilitating. I could not go in and show up in the way that I wanted to show up. And when I would read that book, I would bring it with me on the train going into Manhattan. Mm. And I would say to myself, you know, always do your best, be impeccable with your word. I was like, I am going to show up and do the best that I can possibly do today. And maybe I have a cold, maybe I'm feeling a little extra anxious, but I know that if I show up a hundred percent with what I can possibly give today, then I will have no regrets. And that gave me so much comfort. And just in having that thought and having that lens through which I saw the audition process and showing up so vulnerably, I was able to do a much better job and actually begin to enjoy the auditioning process. Isn't that funny too? The whole, like, I don't know, it's like a paradox or a catch 22 where it's Mm -hmm. like, it's that fear and worry and anxiety, that little panic that you're going into the audition, which is probably the biggest thing that would prevent you from performing at your best. (laughs) Like the whole self-fulfilling prophecy of like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. What are you nervous about that? I'm going to bomb. It's like, well, have you ever considered that it's that nervousness that's going to cause you to bomb? (laughs) Right. And it was so funny because I even had friends who one friend in particular who was a he would play the piano for a lot of the auditions. And he even said, he's like, you walk in the room with zero confidence. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you open your mouth, you're a different person. Wow. What's up with with that? Like, did you agree with it that you would walk in without confidence? Oh, yeah. Back then I had zero confidence. And it wasn't until I remember one of the first personal development. It was before podcasts. It was on an audio and I uploaded it onto my iPod and I went for a run and it was the first iPod. time I like had audio. I was yeah. like, well, this is crazy. I came home and I realized how many stories I had and how much like monkey mind, how much chatter was in, in my head. But one of the things that was said was confidence is a habit. Mm. And that was so powerful for me because prior to that, I just thought like, oh, I'm just not a confident person. This is just not part of who I am. Yeah. I never was confident, so it never occurred to me that it was like a muscle or a belief really that I could build. I love this because how many people are out there like chasing confidence, mm-hmm. right? Like how, how do I get confidence and where do I, where is it? Like, is it at Walmart? Is there a confident, did they sell it on Amazon, the confidence <laughs> yeah. store? So I love hearing this confidence is a, is a habit. Can you go deeper? Like, what does that really mean? And then how did you turn confidence into a habit for yourself? I think just even hearing the idea that confidence is a habit, it really shattered the belief that I had previously. So that was really the opening for me. What was the, what was the belief previously? Oh, just that like, I'm not a confident person, but I like basically that I had this affliction that I just wasn't born confident. There was nothing that I could do. It was just kind of, this is just the way it is. And I just accepted it as such. And I could see other people's confidence and be like, oh man, I wish I could have that. But right. I just believe, I, d- it, I couldn't ever bring myself to be confident because I didn't believe it was possible. Yeah. I was in that It's box. this thing yeah. that like, you just weren't born with. Sorry. Yep. Like some people are tall. Genetics. Yep. Genetics, totally. Yeah. I just don't have the mm-hmm. confidence gene. Yeah. And that's- And then it really, finding confidence really came from doing uncomfortable stuff. Things yeah. that pushed me 
outside of what I already knew. And I remember one of the, the big things, this was again, kind of in between my entrepreneurial stuff when I was still performing. Cause man, when you're, when you're an actor, when you're a performer, that is like a master class in personal development. You have to be seen 100%. You yep. cannot hide. You are bearing your soul. And through a lot of my acting work, that was where some of my biggest breakthroughs around, mm. you know, who I wanted to be really came from. But I remember I, I got cast in this Shakespeare touring company and I didn't have a lot of experience in that. And it was kind of, they, they had to fill a last minute position. So I'm sitting there going, well, this, you know, they just kind of threw me into this and I didn't really deserve it. If I had auditioned with everybody else, I wouldn't have gotten this role. But then I kind of became okay with that. I was like, well, the universe is giving this to me for a reason. So let me just go for it. And there was so much fear and panic. I tried to back out at the last minute, be like, this is just kidding, I'm not gonna do it. And they were like, what do you mean? You can't like not accept this role, you already accepted it. <laughs> I was just like, like a little kid, like wanting to run away and hide. And yeah. I'm like, I'll, I'll just be the tree in the back. I don't have to do any tests. I'll just, I'll just be in the tree in the back. It'll be totally fine. I'll just be like that supporting role for everyone. And it ended up being one of the most life-changing experiences for me. And it really forced me to, grow so much faster. And that was when I really, it clicked for me that immersion is one of the fastest ways to mm. learn. Like when you are literally working eight hour days with people who are a thousand times more experienced than you, you grow faster than everyone else in yeah. that room. Oh, so true. And I was like, okay, well, this is really freaking uncomfortable and I hate this, but I'm also really excited because one of the people in the cast was like, you know, I'm just really proud of you because you came into this feeling very uncomfortable, but you've grown more than anyone else in this group. Wow. And I was like, whoa. He's like, no one would ever know that you came in with almost zero experience with Shakespeare text. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's a beautiful compliment. But it really happened because they were my teachers. I oh. got to model excellence. Yeah. So how does this apply to you today? Like, are there times in your life where you feel the flight or fight and uh, like wanting to back out in your own business? And then what do you do to step into that confident feeling? Oh, totally. I mean, even in being part of your mastermind last year, this is my second year in it. And the first year there was a whole lot of imposter syndrome coming into that room, feeling like I wasn't wherever in my head I should be in order to deserve to have a seat in that group. Isn't that funny? You, because you find out like half, if not 99% of people <laughs> have that same thought. Yeah. Yeah. And that was very reassuring. And you kept saying all throughout, like, leave your egos at the door. That's not, that's not what this room is about. And what I realized a few months in having conversation with my fiance, he was like, you know, that you're actually kind of like, he, he reframed it for me because he's a ninja at that. And he's like, you're kind of doing a disrespect to James by thinking that you're not good enough in this room, because now you're actually questioning his ability to pick the right people. And I was like, Oh, I don't like Bingo. that. Bingo. <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah. I mean, if there's one thing yeah. I've gotten really good at choosing yeah. the right people. So I yep. do it for a reason. So interesting though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it does still come up for me. And well, it you know, comes up for all of us. I mean, it's, yeah, like new level, new devil. And yeah. I think the difference is because I've, I always say to people, you know, when you want that next level in your business, some people say, hi, I want the six figure business. And I'm like, yes. And for some of us, we need to grow into that next level of abundance. Mm -hmm. Right now, there's there's emotional atrophy for newer entrepreneurs, right? They're not in that place where they can emotionally handle the things that would come up in a business at that level because oh. there's other components. Wow. So you called and, that um, emotional atrophy. This is yeah. really... So what is atrophy? Is that like 
So when you have like muscle atrophy, yeah, it means like uh, in your body, fatigued? like you have an injury, the yeah, muscle it, kind of just disintegrates or you lose the strength in that muscle. Yeah. So wasting away, yeah. especially as a result of the degeneration of cells, gradual decline in effectiveness. Okay, wait, this is really fascinating what you're saying because what I've noticed over the years is like, oh, I think we can just have such a fantastic conversation here. There are things that like, just exactly what you're saying. Like you want something yeah. and you like, you get all bummed out and like frustrated that you don't have it. And then like time mm -hmm. passes and then you have it and then you're playing a new game and like there are problems that arise. And I've literally had that moments, those moments where I was saying, holy shit, I would not have been able to handle this. I would yep. have, this problem that just happened, this thing that happened, which right now is very insignificant, it's not a big deal. That old James that wanted this result in this life and this business, he did not have, I didn't call it atrophy, I just call it like the emotional fortitude or a maturity. Mm, and mm -hmm. I look, and I look like seriously, the, the, what people would call problems, you know, I don't choose to label anything as a problem, but like the situations that just come up, there, today it's like when a you know like a fly lands on you you just kind of shoot away that's how it is for me today but i always think back and i'm like holy cow the 10 year ago james a five years ago what nope he would have crumbled he would have been crushed by this yeah and, and that's um, where like the self-sabotage comes in mm -hmm. where if you don't believe you're worthy just even as a baseline if you don't believe you're worthy of that abundance and you don't have the emotional stamina and the beliefs to support that next level of abundance then how long do you think it's going to stick around? Exactly. And that stuff always comes first. So to me, it's been this game. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. So for you, what? No. Yeah. For me, I think over the years, it's really, we were talking about, you know, building confidence as a habit. And I think it's really become this game of completely seeing challenges in a different way and now getting excited about them. Or if I'm confused, I get excited about confusion. I see even in my group programs, people get freaked out. They're like, I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense. I'm like, are you confused? They're like, yeah. I'm like, great. Yes. Why, why is that great? Well, what comes after confusion? They're like, oh my God, clarity, breakthroughs. Yeah. yeah you yeah. can't, you can't be confused about something you're not, you're not learning. Right. Right. I'm like your brain. I'm like, awesome. Your brain's making new neural connections. Yeah. Celebrate that. Yeah. And so I, that's kind of how I, and of course there are days where I don't see it that way. And I want to like <laughs> sit in a little pity party. So like I'm human, I'm not, I don't have it all figured out, but the large majority of the time, I am reframing those things. Like yeah. there are things that happened in the last year or two years of my business that early on would have felt like the complete end of the world. Yeah. Would have been like a total like sweep kick and had kept me down on my back for who knows how long. But now I, I just can get myself back up. And one of the things I remember even sharing like a big flop type of a thing or something where, you know, we lost a bunch of money because some things with Facebook ads. And I remember sharing it in the mastermind group and one of the things that a lot of people were saying to me was like, wow, you have a lot of resilience because mm -hmm. I wasn't freaking out about it. I was mm -hmm. just like, okay, this is what, what's happening. So what are we going to do to fix it? Who's got ideas? Yeah. <laughs> and I remember saying you're resilient. And I was like, okay, yeah, I like that. I will, I will try that on. I will keep that. I will accept that as a belief about myself. Cool. My new identity. I'm resilient. Yeah. I've said this for years and I just, so I just love how you keep bringing up and talking about reframing is that your, there's a direct correlation with your, your skill or your ability to reframe the situations that you're presented with in your life and the level of success that you have. And I believe if we just got better at that and an even more simple way to look at reframing is choosing the perspective that aligns with mm -hmm. the outcomes that you want. 
you know, to realize that nothing has an, any inherent meaning. It's just our choice moment by moment. What meaning would we like to give this? How do we want to see this? And that's, I think that's part of the journey is, is to learn that and develop that because yeah, just going back, like, I think there are things that I deal with on a daily basis that if a person had, and it's not trying to be like brag, it's just like over the years I've, we've developed that resilient muscle and that reframing muscle. I just think that if somebody had one situation that I deal with on a daily basis, it could like crumble them. And so yeah. it's, it's even more important. And it goes back to what you were saying just at the beginning of the call of how much you realized with yourself and with your clients, how much is from the psychology standpoint, how much of this is what's going on internally. And that's the funny thing too, is like, that's not what most, I mean, we're preaching in the choir on this podcast, but that's right. really not what most people want like and get. It's like, no, 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 no. Jen, just tell me what to do. Just give me yeah. the steps. Tell me what to do. And it's like, the steps are all out there. <laughs> They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. What's causing you to not take the steps or stop halfway or for some bizarre reason, not follow the steps and make up your own steps <laughs> has nothing to do with the steps. <laughs> it has everything to do exactly. with you. We're like a robot that can't be programmed properly. It's like a computer where you like give it a program, like go open this. And it just like does something completely different, like turns off. Um, that's, yeah. a, that's a faulty computer. We're like faulty like that. So I'm wondering if you could speak more to that. Like what are you, what do you see as like some of the biggest internal, I guess, mistakes, pitfalls, misconceptions, or beliefs that um, you see with a lot of your clients that you help them through? Mm. I mean, one of the things uh, that I see coming up a lot, especially inside coaching groups where people can support each other and talk openly is that they're not, and I know you speak to this a lot as well, but they're not looking at the facts. They're building a whole interpretation and a whole story around what is happening. And they will speak in very chunked up language. Like, you know, I only had a few people opt in or no one watched my video. And I'm like, really, no one watched it. They're like, well, a couple of people, well, how many is a couple? So yeah. the, they're speaking. Cause even a couple doesn't mean, doesn't mean two for people. No, some people no, mean that literally 3000. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I want to bring in some yeah. examples here because I, this, I want oh, this is so good what you're talking about. Cause you're absolutely, I actually like made a rule in one of our coaching groups. I say, you're done with interpretations. You give us the facts and the what so, or you're not going to get coaching on it because we did. And if this person's listening, it, it all comes with love, but this, this is just one specific example that comes to mind. And there's so many, it's just such a great representation of so many, including ourselves. We're not immune to this either, mm-hmm. but someone was sharing and on a coaching call, they said my launch tanked. Right. So there's that interpretation. It tanked and they were going into this next launch and they were taking that tanked launch with them, carrying it on the, on the burden of that tanked launch on their shoulders and where they were now as a result of this is why this interpretation is so important that we, we got to fix this is that because they decided that this launch tanked, they now, as a result, didn't trust themselves. They no longer mm. trusted themselves and they were going into a new launch and they couldn't make a decision to save their lives. And as I said, all right, all right, let's look at this last thing here. Cause you got a little PTLD, a little post-traumatic launch disorder. And <laughs> which like can be real. I've experienced that before where you just yeah. think about a launch again and, and you have like an emotional, physical reaction. So it's like traumatic. So I said, how did, how did it tank? You know, what happened? And that was like really just looking for the facts. Well, they said no one bought. I said, how'd you launch it? They said a webinar. I said, how many people attended? 15. 
Is this your first webinar? Yeah. First time selling this product? Yeah. I said, okay, it's your first webinar, first brand new product, 15 people, and no one bought. Yeah. Um, did you do a follow-up sequence? No. Stopped there. So is that really a fair assessment to say that it tanked? First of all, 15 people on a webinar is not a large enough sample size to determine anything, right? right? 1,500 people and no one bought. Yeah, it tanked. <laughs> 15, <laughs> like, you know, one to two sales is like what we're talking about if it did really well, you know, just right. percentage-wise. But most people buy in the follow-up and you didn't do a follow-up. Did this thing really tank or did you just... And it was a complete reframe. It was, this thing didn't tank. You just stopped before the finish line. That's like saying you're going to run a race and you're going to stop at the halfway mark and not even cross the finish line and then say you tanked. You didn't tank. You just stopped going. Yeah. And it was like the entire weight of this burden and guilt and story, this interpretation that I've tanked this first thing I've ever done was like gone in a heartbeat. Right. So I think this is just like so important. So you, you're seeing a lot of that. I see a lot of that. Yeah. I remember there was a day where I had asked, we were going to do a Q and a call and I had asked my group coaching peeps, like, what questions do you guys have? And I don't know who started this trend, but very quickly there were over 30 or 40 comments of people saying, I'm really stuck with, I'm really struggling with, I'm overwhelmed with. And I was like, Oh, hell no. <laughs> like they're about yeah. to get, we're, we're about to preach a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. so I got on the Q and a call and instead of addressing any of their questions, because those weren't actually their questions, mm. we had a whole conversation about their language because as a coach, that's one of my favorite things to look at because I'm like, you said it, I'm not interpreting anything. Tell me what that means. Yeah. So I asked them, I said, it's interesting how all of you guys started the sentence or your, your question with I'm stuck, I'm struggling or the word overwhelmed somewhere in there. And I said, when you say the word stuck, what is the internal representation that you're creating? And so what that is basically is we all think in pictures and movies. If I say the word cat, you're going to create a picture and everybody's picture looks a little bit different based on their values, their identity, their beliefs, their memories, their experiences. And so I asked them, what picture are you creating when you say stuck? And some people had some different stuff, but overall, overall, most people had some picture of themselves either with their feet in the mud or their feet in concrete. And so I asked them, you're looking to find answers and create solutions in your business and have this creative flow, but you keep hammering the word I am stuck to your subconscious mind. And you're creating a picture of your feet in mud or concrete. You're completely immobile. Or someone said they're pushing up against a wall and they can't move it. And I said, what kind of suggestion do you think that's giving to your subconscious mind? And how quickly do you think your subconscious mind is going to respond with clarity and answers if you keep giving it that picture over and over and over again? Or they say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, you're just hypnotizing your subconscious mind to believe that's true. That's what you're focusing on. So you're just getting more of that. This is so important because I've said this before and I'll keep saying it. It's like, I just don't think people, people don't value their thoughts. Mm -hmm. Like they don't they don't give very much power to their thinking and their language and where they put their attention to, but it's literally creating your entire future. And um, this also is speaking to their identity because I'll hear people just say, I'm stuck, period. Like, hi, you're Jen, I'm James, (laughs) and this I want you to meet stuck. This is a human that is just always stuck, permanently stuck. You're stuck about being stuck. That's very detrimental, absolutely, on a, on a subconscious level because you're just like oh my God, yeah. put yourself in such a trap. 
Well, anything after I am goes to the identity level. That's why when we, when you see stuff about affirmations, it's like, I am wealthy, I am confident, all that stuff. But interestingly enough, there was one girl in the group and she said, you know, I'm really struggling with, I'm really stuck. And I said, are you struggling or do you just not have the answer yet? And her response was, it's the same thing. Is it <laughs> and really? I think yeah. <laughs> that really is what separates the successful yeah. entrepreneurs mm-hmm. from the people who stay in the very early stages of their business, spinning out about every single decision, making it so high stakes, so all or nothing, so black and white. Like I have to figure out my niche. If I don't have the answer by tomorrow night, then I'm never going to make money. Mm-hmm. And they're building all of these stories. It really is. It's just like, Sometimes in the group I go in there, it's just like high stakes. Yeah. I'm like, you guys are really making this out to be like what you can change your niche, you can change your idea, you can <laughs> change the name of your Facebook permanent. group. It's, yes. it's, you're not stuck. It's not you're not getting it tattooed on you. Well, like Well, let me ask you this, because look, in our line of work, we have problems are unavoidable. In other words, mm-hmm. let's I don't even use the word problems, but situations of unwanted situations, things that are not the most desirable, happen on a daily basis. Questions you know, that need answers. Decisions need to be made on a daily basis. What is your association relationship, internal representation and process so that you, I have to assume for the by and large, don't get stuck? Mm. What's your process? Like, what do you do so that you're not stuck? That's a really great question. I think there are times where I do get stuck and I just don't build a whole story about it. I think all of us, in but you some can get capacity, unstuck faster. I mean, it, I can get unstuck again, faster. Like, yes. And well, I think, I think the ways that I get unstuck is by having people in my life like you who challenge the box that I've created for myself and my business. And I'm around people who are expanders mm. who are constantly making me look at things in a different way, just by the way that they are being just by the way that they are living their life and showing up. Yeah. I think when I look at the idea of a problem in the beginning, it seemed it was, you know, business ending type stuff. Like like I was saying in the beginning, a lot of newer entrepreneurs, it's super high stakes. Everything feels so big and so overwhelming. And I think kind of what I was saying, we were speaking about before of this idea around atrophy. I really feel like I've built that muscle to be able to reframe myself quickly and say, okay, this is happening for me, not to me. And the next level of my own expansion is on the other side of being able to work through this. And there's been so many things that have come up in my business where it was uncomfortable. I didn't like it. I didn't want like even hiring and firing people. Those are uncomfortable conversations Mm -hmm. at times, or at least they were for me in the beginning. And now being able to say, okay, well, if I'm going to be a boss CEO, like I got to figure out how to have these conversations and not have a panic attack about it or not like get stressed out about it and be able to be okay with not being a people pleaser and not saying, I don't care. Like, and you've really modeled that beautifully for me that like, not everybody needs to like me and I'm totally okay with that. And there's going to be problems that come up. There's going to be challenges and I'm here to work through them and hear people out and hear myself out, (laughs) like all the crazy things that go on in our heads. Right. And not make a huge judgment around it. Just really hear it, assess it, and then find a solution for it. There's a few things you said that I really want to unpack and, Mm -hmm. and just highlight. First of all, I love the whole immediately going into any perceived problem or undesired situation with this is happening for me, not to me. I always think that's Mm -hmm. just a a beautiful way to approach it. I think something that I've been able to do, and I love that you said it, is like stop making things such a big deal. Mm -hmm. There's, 
I'm still looking for in 12 years of doing this, is, was there one thing that was such a big deal that it was like business ending if I went left instead of right? If I went up instead of down, I chose blue instead of red. No. Mm-hmm. It's ironically, it's the like not making any decision at all. That's probably the most detrimental decision. The decision of indecision is probably the most detrimental decision choice or decision in your business. Mm-hmm. Cause that's, well, not making a decision is making a decision to stay where you are to do nothing to take do nothing. No like action. you're always saying yes to something. You're either saying yes to moving in some direction yeah. or staying still. And I like to think of it through the manifestation lens of being in a car with a GPS. If I am in New York and I want to get to California, there's an infinite number of ways that I can get there. But I know that I've set the intention and put in the information. Think of the GPS as the universe. I'm like, I am going to California. I could take a plane. I could walk. I could bike. Infinite number of combinations and directions and ways that I could get there and lengths of time that it could take to get there. But if I have that destination, that intention in the, like the finish line is clear then all I need to do is put the car or the action in drive and I'm on my way. But if I just sit and do nothing and keep it in park, then the universe cannot come in and help to bring to you those like synchronicities, those like magical things that tend to happen when we show up for our desires and just start to take action. I love this analogy specifically with the car because one of the analogies I've been playing around with in conjunction with the car is how much people are driving with the brake on Mm, and mm -hmm. like then making things so much harder. Like, could you imagine trying to drive on a highway going 60 miles an hour, but you've got the parking brake on and the brake, the foot brake while you're going and like how much wear and tear that has on the engine, how much more work, just how much we're doing that. Or you're doing that or you're going like a mile forward and then like half a mile back and then two miles forward and then a mile backwards. And like, boy, we're just making things so much harder and like creating a lot of problems that don't exist, giving a lot more energy to problems that don't exist that aren't really needing of our energy. And I really just want to always tell everybody like, don't care so much. Mm. Like that's a hard thing to tell people too, but it's like, just don't care so much. Like don't take this so seriously don't make it so big. Like it sounds like such a, um, a paradox. Cause like I take everything that I do extraordinary, like the, the craft, the work, whatever is in your genius zone, like you doing your work that here you're here to do. I take with utmost seriousness, you yeah. know, like I want to put the best content out there. I want to change somebody's life. I want to get better at what I do every day. I really want to make a profound difference in someone's life. And I'm that's, like there's nothing like that I take more seriously, mm-hmm. but everything else I just don't care about. Like, I just like, I mean, we have this ad we've, we've been talking about in the Facebook group about this ad we're running to really cold audiences. And there is, oh my God, there are people that are giving me death threats right now. Oh man, that ad, when I saw it, I was like, this is legendary. Right. The I, amount of people that are so resistant to the message totally and that can and, totally help them yeah. and, and that's okay because part of the ad yeah. was to cr- actually create a polarization yep. so that people and people have actually said that they're like i'm opting in and downloading this book just because all the people with the negative comments are just proving this guy's point and i'm like uh-huh <laughs> uh-huh but that brings me to something else that you said was like just this need to be liked i'd love to talk about this because i just feel right now 
that maybe I'll do another episode on it too. I just feel like this is the biggest way that we imprison ourselves. We keep ourselves so trapped and so small and so unhappy and dissatisfied because we have made needing to be liked by people, especially like random strangers on the internet and yeah, everyone's so important. And I don't know, like I want to help people There's out of this. so much to this. Yeah. There and re- I think, really I, I don't know but for you, but we, in the beginning there was that first layer of, oh my God, what is the whole world going to think? And the layer of what are my family and yeah. my friends going to think? And even when I, when I was first deciding, like I'm going all in, I remember I had a therapist at the time and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go and create six figures online. And she would just looked at me like I was all sorts of crazy. And she was like, oh, very interesting. So how does that work? And I was like, and she was not I could just tell she was not on board with it at all. Right. And was like trying to talk me out of it. And I was like, yeah, this isn't going to work. My manager where I had worked, he was trying to talk me out of it, even though he had stayed there for 17 years. My family members thought I was crazy. My friends were like, where are you? Why aren't you coming out on the weekends anymore? And so there, I think there was like, for me, that first layer of resistance from what, like what the was, world. What was the story or interpretation you had around that when all these people didn't believe in you at that time? I think I created almost like this chip on my shoulder from that. And there was a little bit of like, I, I just, I still have this where I'm like, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me I can't yeah. do something. Yeah. And I just like go even harder at it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same um, way. Like it's like a stubbornness. Yeah. 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 There's, there's a stubbornness. And I think that it, it does serve me at times. And then there were even times in this last week when I was, went on this beautiful spiritual retreat with some friends and that came up for me. And I was like, why don't you just lean in? Why don't you just listen to what's being suggested and just try it on instead of being like, don't tell me, you know, like that came up for me and I was able to kind of heal that story a little bit. Oh, even so just, you're like, saying you've, you've applied it to like, even if someone has advice for you, you'll, right. you'll come back resistant. Like, don't tell me what to do. I think, I think it's more about how it's delivered. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So which has just been an interesting journey for me. And it depends on who's delivering it and the context through which it's being delivered. Mm-hmm. But even beyond that, I think what was interesting is over the years, I've gotten really good at not caring what people close to me think in terms of like, like they're all very supportive of my business. Now they all see what's possible. And then it became a layer of wanting to please my clients, mm. which is where I see it coming in very strong. Like for once they pay you money, there's this. People life. pay you money. Now I have to like be and do everything for them. I have to answer every single question mm. that they have in a Facebook group. And I see this pattern coming through for a lot of my clients. And I know that it's bec- like I processed it and that's why I'm able to teach them now, yes. which is kind of what cool a gift, to see right? that full circle. Here's, yeah, here's, and so like, here's the problem with that too, is that when it becomes around pleasing them. Now look, this is, maybe we can create that distinction. It's like, the need to please them versus like getting clear on your expectations and your commitment. Mm. You know, it's like, to add to that, I think it's actually more of an attachment to their results. And they're building a story around if these clients are not successful, then it means I'm not a good coach. or leader. Yes. And an attachment to their like opinion of you. Yes. Right. Like I need them to like me. I need them to rave about me. Whereas like, it's like, look, I'm going to put a gift right in front of you. And here's the gift. You know, if you don't want to unwrap it, Okay. That's fine. If you don't want to read it or you don't want to consume it, if you don't want to like it, that's fine. I still, I give you the gift. You do what you want with it. Right. And that's not mm-hmm. always easy, but here's where this becomes a really big cost. If that's anybody listening is, is going through this right now. When you have all this attachment to their expectations and their need to, to like you and love you and all that type of stuff. And then you're not getting that. Then what does that start to do when you start thinking about getting new clients? 
like all yeah. of a sudden it's it's really easy to start building this like negative association with getting more clients because you're probably developing this belief of like well if the clients i have right now don't all love me how could i possibly get more mm. you know what i mean and it yeah. and we start to get this like i always am really want to be cognizant when I'm working with somebody of like, what is your relationship? And when you think about getting more clients right now, when you think about getting more customers, what's the story that comes up? How does that feel? And it really scares me, not scares me, but it's a big red flag for me is a better way to say that. When people start <laughs> associating like a negative emotion or a negative state with the very idea of growing their business. Whoa. And you've seen examples of this, right? We're like, even just oh, the idea sure. of like, well, I'm already strapped so thin. I can't, I don't even have the time to take on somebody else. Like that's a problem when you have more yeah. pain associated with growing your business. And that's what you're here to do is grow your business. Or we've got a problem. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I see people with contradictory beliefs where they say, I, I this year I'm going to make six figures. I'm going to have six figure business. And then we have a conversation around, okay, well, if you had 200 people wanting to work with you or hire you or join your course or program or your network marketing team tomorrow, how would that go? Like, what would you do? And that's, that's when the panic sets in for them. Yeah. They're like, oh my God. And I asked this to a, a group of my students recently and they had that realization that, wow, I don't have systems in place. I wouldn't really be able to serve these people. And I yeah. said, okay, well, you keep saying you want to have all this abundance, but you're not preparing for it. So you're really, you, mm. you're blocking the universe from actually bringing that to you. And people can sense your unavailable energy. And so I said, okay, well, how many wow. clients would you be able to actually take on? Yeah. And every single one of them, there was about 10 of them that responded. They all said about five. And it's like, how many do you have? Five. Right. <laughs> well, they're like, you you've already maxed out. Yeah. Yeah. So this is really fascinating because I've been talking about this a little bit as well. I love all these conversations we're having is like, I think level zero is the average person. If you were to ask the average person on the street, like, what do you want? Most people would be like, I don't know, but I'll tell you what I don't want. Mm -hmm. I don't want my debt. I don't want my in-laws. I don't, you know, <laughs> that's how you sound just like that. It's just like that. Uh, you know, <laughs> I got to do my voices here. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't want the in-laws. <laughs> then you're like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur and I took a personal development class and you got really good at like, now I know what I want mm -hmm. and I'm prepared. If you ask me, I'll tell you what I want. Right. But I think the next level, and I think that's what you just spoke to is that the moment you create a desire, an intention, an outcome, a goal, a vision, whatever you want to call it. I really do believe that the next question is you say, well, what does that vision or goal need from me? Mm. And I don't think people are asking that question. I think that was a great example of you asking that is like, so what does the business need? What does a business that has 200 clients need from you? Mm -hmm. Oh, it needs this type of infrastructure and this type of systems and this type of software and this type of stuff. Do you have that? No. And so people are just wishing, wanting, hoping, dreaming, but they're not willing to ask the question, well, what does the business need? Or rather, what does the business need? What does it need from me in order to make yeah. that possible? And I think that's, and that's really great. So what is it that you do with when people have some of these contradicting beliefs? Cause we, we see it all the time. It's just, it's out of alignment. They're out of alignment. Yes. And then they're just yeah. staying out of alignment and then they are working harder, working longer, which is like trying to drive the car with the parking brake on. So break on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What are some of the stuff that you do to kind of end the contradictions in their mind? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think just even, even recognizing the contradiction 
can sometimes create that integration for them because it's there's almost like two different parts like part of me really wants the success Mm -hmm. and wants to create this you know six seven figure business team of employees like whatever that may be but (laughs) this other part of me doesn't know how it's going to happen and this other part of me is scared and overwhelmed and so i mean not always but oftentimes when we look at that we can see one of the things is usually operating from possibility and potential and that other part is operating from fear and ego and scarcity so in that moment you get to make a choice about what you want to do about that and what's interesting is when we actually start to ask those parts and kind of chunk it up and say what is the highest intention of that part of you so if the highest part of the six-figure part of you is like i want to make an impact i want to have joy i want to have ease And then the other part of you that wants to have, or that isn't sure what to do, well, what is the highest part of that? Well, it also wants ease. It doesn't, it's the other side of it where it's afraid that it's not going to have ease and joy and flow and freedom in the business. And so when you actually get chunked up, you can start to recognize that those parts are a part of the same whole, which is you. And they are actually working towards the same goal, but they are looking at it through a different lens. And so like I do some other work with my clients in relation to that to help them understand that their intention is still one intention. And mm-hmm. then we can kind of get to that place where it's it's just like they've split off into two opposing strategies. Like Right. And I'm then when they realize drive, they're not opposing. Yes. It's almost like the whole like car analogy, right? Like I'm gonna go to California yeah. and I'm gonna take a car, but I should take a plane. <laughs> Right. And it's like that, but so do you feel like most of the time you can feel that resistance and that lack of alignment, even just when people use the word, but like, I want this. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I have really tried even in my own life to avoid saying, but because Mm -hmm. anytime we say, but we're contradicting the first part of the sentence. Yeah. The first part of what we said. And so I really work to be, and like give the yes. And yeah, give the yes. That's a huge tip for anybody. So like, yeah. what would be an example of one of, can you give a complete sentence where there's that contradictory, but it's yes. And people might say something like, I really want to do a launch, but I don't know where to start. So instead yeah. just say like, I really yeah. want to do a launch and I don't know where to start yeah. because all of a sudden it's like, okay, well then let's figure it out. Like it just seems so obvious, but when there's the button there, it's like, oh man, like there's just a heaviness. It's almost like a, therefore I can't. Yeah. Since I don't know where to start, therefore I can't. And you also bring up something that you just touched upon for a moment, which is such a massive contradictory belief that we need to, we need to talk about. I've talked about this before, but we need to talk about it again, mm-hmm. is that people have these beliefs that whatever money you're making right now, it's like we have this, this belief or this idea of how much it took us to make that money. Effort, energy, time, mm-hmm. pain, struggle, sacrifice. And then we've like allocated that proportionately. So let's say... You know what I mean? It's like, this is how I much I had this conversation with someone yesterday. Yeah, yeah. It's such a great one. Right. So this, yeah. it took me this much time, effort, energy, pain, struggle, sacrifice to make a hundred K. Let's just chunk that into like 10 Energon cubes. So it takes 10 <laughs> Energon cubes to make a hundred K. Therefore it must take 10 or 20 Energon cubes to make 200 K. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so wrong. Like, and I, I just wish I could implant this belief into more people's minds because I think it goes back to what we were saying too about the association of like pain that people have with more sales, more clients, more growth. And I'm working less. I'm doing far more, but I'm working less today with an $8 million business than I was at 
two and three million and definitely less than at a million. It's just a completely mm-hmm. different game. Like I got up early this morning. By the way, speaking about subconscious mind, I totally screwed myself because I was, I don't know why I did this, but I do, I sent, uh, I set an intention to program mm-hmm. my subconscious mind for how much sleep. And for some reason I just said, I want to make sure like I get at least five hours of like deep relaxing sleep. And then I went to bed at 10. So 3 a.m. I wake up wide awake and I'm like, there's my five hours. I guess I'm doing this. And I've been, yeah. I was up at three, but I got like, I got, you yeah. know, two and a half hours in. So it's like, I did a morning routine from like three to four by like 6.30, completely done with the day. And, uh, and, wow. and then it's just like things like this, like I have podcast interviews and stuff like that. And I'm like, holy cow, like I'm, I'm working far less than, yeah. um, and we're like in I'm launch so glad season. We're talking about this. Yeah. This, because by, I had a couple of clients the other day asking, well, if I shouldn't be doing everything in my business because doing everything is creating pressure and this heaviness and, and this hard work mentality, and that's not getting me, I'm like, you're not making money from that energy. Right. So like, okay, well then what would it look like? And what's an example of a successful business owner who isn't doing all this work? What are they focused on? And that was like, you're just saying, you're like, I woke up, I got to do my self care routine. I got mm-hmm. to work on myself and you're doing podcasts. Yeah. You're doing the things that only light you up. Yeah. And of it, course there's things that any, you know, person that's running a business, there are times where we have to have uncomfortable conversations or do things that we don't like. But I think, you know, you've really modeled for me, taught me and models for me, like what is possible at this next level of multi-million dollar business, mm-hmm. like how much fun you can have, how much freedom that you can have and how it doesn't have to be hard work. Mm-mm. Cause two years ago I was still, I was coming out of that belief, but there was still a couple of, couple of little roots that were hanging out around that hard work equaled success. Right. And, and it's been um, really interesting and, to and let look, that go. And we can, and we can talk about this from so many different angles because first of all, we all know that there's a ton of people working way harder and they've got <laughs> nothing to show for it. So yep. the problem with the hard work success thing is like, it's a fool's trap. It's like, it's the siren calling your name to keep you busy, but you can stay busy and distracted in your little comfort zone. Cause you can sit there and say, Hey, I, today I built out my about me page and linked it up with my social profiles and I didn't know WordPress. So it took all day. And that was some hard work. Yes. Success. Here I come. And it's like, you could be doing crap like that for the next six months and have nothing to show for it, but you worked so friggity diggity hard. So you're doing work that anybody could do, and sadly, sorry, this is gonna sting for some people. This is stuff that a virtual assistant overseas could do for like three, four bucks an hour. And Mm -hmm. the thing is, is that when you're doing things, talk about subconscious mind, when you're doing things that now you know for a fact that someone could do for three to $4 an hour, you are programming your subconscious mind and at the identity level that you are worth three to $4 an hour. And this is gonna really sting for someone, I'm sorry, but I get so many people and I love you all so much, I'm, I, I really do. It's like, look, you know, I wrote a whole little PDF book about the whole hardwired for entrepreneurship is that most people just aren't thinking like an entrepreneur, they're yeah. thinking like an employee. And when you're thinking like a $3 an hour employee, there's 2,080 work hours, okay, in a year. Your income, if you do all day for a whole year, every day for 12 months, those three to $4 an hour tasks, your income for the year is 6,000 bucks, 6,000 and change. That's how like 
serious this is. So what people do is they say, I'm not ready to outsource. I can't afford to outsource, so I'll do it myself. And what it's doing is it's costing you. If you said you wanted to make $100,000 this year, it's costing you $194,000 to not pay somebody $4 an hour to do it for you. That's what's on the table, but people don't think like that. I want everybody here listening to us to think like that. Today, the way we run the company, even just in the most simplistic sense, it's like, yes, we built a team. I started with one VA in the Philippines when I was living in my parents' basement and was broke as a joke. I found a way to get him $70 a week so he could help me. He's still here with me today. We've employed his entire family. He's built an entire agency. It's amazing. Like he's, wow. he's built a whole company. Like he employs his whole family. I've changed his, I mean, I don't want to take responsibility, but his life is now changed as a result of that. And people say like, oh my gosh, first of all, you're taking jobs away. First of all, I, I employ 16 people full-time in the US. I, I've created jobs. Second of all, it's like, not people say like four dollars an hour that's slave wage you should go to jail for that it's like no philippines it's a it's a exchange rate conversation a u.s dollar in the philippines is worth a lot of money over there it goes a long way you can go to thailand you can go to vietnam and you can get like a foot massage there for like a dollar fifty it's amazing you can live for a whole week off food and meals and all that stuff for less than 20 bucks it's unfreaking believable right so a do u.s dollar just because of the exchange rate goes, uh, he's living like a king, my guy that I, I hired 10 years ago when I was in my parents. I could barely afford to feed myself and I fed him. Now today, so we have this whole team. Every single person on my team has a virtual assistant. Some have two because I want to treat them the same way I treat myself. It's like, I, I can't have you doing, you need to be a manager. You need to be responsible for a result. They're like entrepreneurs within the company. Mm. And so now they have people that they manage and outsource tasks to. So they're even working less. Oh, I love it. Anyways, I can geek, geek out. So freaking it. cool. And I just so appreciate like what I said before, you modeling this because it just opens up what else is possible and how this can be applied to an online business. Yeah. And what you were just saying before around this whole idea of I can't afford it. This is something that came up just the other day with someone. And this is where the conversation of people pleasing really came from, mm. where she was very triggered because I said, can't is, is not the truth. Yeah. You are choosing not to, yep. you are choosing not to outsource. It's not that you can't, you're choosing not to, you are choosing to allocate your money to different things. I'm not making you wrong for that. You don't have to choose to allocate it to a virtual assistant or to somebody to help you. But, and it, she really was like, and I feel like you're telling me that, you know, I should be doing this. And now I feel like I'm a failure because I'm not outsourcing. And I said, whoa, 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 go watch the replay, watch the replay. Yeah. Because it was really about saying, it's not about, that you can't do it by saying you can't, you are completely blocking yourself off from taking ownership of your choice of yep. your responsibility yep. and of your decision. Yep. All I'm suggesting that you do is change that language to, I am choosing not to do this right now because it's not the right time for me. Shouldn't, we, shouldn't we just remove the word I can't from our 100%. vocabulary completely? Like there's, is there any reason why we should say I can't at all? Unless even if it's just like, Hey Jen, can you, can you slam dunk a basketball? No, I can't. Like, do we even need to say like, mm, I choose not to practice enough that it would take the discipline <laughs> right. so that I could do it, you know? Or I'd be like, sure. Give me like a couple boxes and a, and a trampoline. Exactly. We'll yeah. See. Give me a like, trampoline. We'll make it happen. Yes, exactly. But I, I think we should just remove that <laughs> yeah. entirely because you just bring up such yeah. a great distinction that if someone's saying, oh, I can't do this, you are removing, you're choosing not to take responsibility 
and saying that mm -hmm. it's an outside force that has power over you versus saying, no, I choose not to, for whatever reason is fine. And it isn't, it doesn't make someone wrong. It's, it's a very important distinction. If you don't want to do something, then that is your choice. But to say like, oh my, you know, I'm, it's against the rules of someone who's imprisoned me somehow, whatever, yeah. is just not true. It's not true. Yeah. And, really and when we use the word can't over and over again, it brings us into that state of disempowerment Yeah. because we can sometimes become a victim of our circumstances of like, oh, well, I can't do this because I don't have the money. And when we start to step into I'm choosing not to just that small language shift, yeah. it really puts us back in the driver's seat, going back to the driving analogy and really allows us to be in a place of power where we are like and as a, as a CEO, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, making decisions is something that you need to be doing multiple times a day, every day, mm -hmm. you're always making decisions. And so the more that you can get comfortable with owning your own power in the decisions that you make and knowing when something is the right decision for you, to me, that's a sign of somebody who's moving towards Absolutely. amazing success. Cause let's just go back and, to that example yeah. you gave of like, I can't because I don't have the money. It's like, we gotta stop saying that because you can yeah. find the money. That's the whole point of being an entrepreneur is you create money. So now you're saying, I can't cause I don't have money. I don't have money. I can't create money. You're literally just programming yourself to say, I don't know how to create money and therefore I can't and I don't. Versus saying, I choose mm -hmm. not to spend my money on this. I choose not to create the money and allocate it to this. What a more empowering statement that still allows you to be an awesome money generator. There's a there's a jack. Yeah. I think I've told this story once before. There's a maybe not on the podcast. There's a store in Laguna, and they sell really high end clothes, but they're like super casual clothes, and a lot of their stuff is like really expensive. And there was, but it's like not fancy. It's like a t normal T-shirt is eighty nine dollars, and I actually just bought one of their shirts over the weekend. I was like, that's a lot of money for a T-shirt, right? Eighty nine dollars but I bought it, but they had a jacket there. And this is again, not like a blazer. This is just like a, a jacket. I don't know, like a windbreaker, $650. And I had to get like, when I saw the price tag, I just had to ask myself, I did two things. At first I said, is this a hell yes for me? And I was like, mm, it's like an eight. So then I had to say, this is a no, <laughs> but why? And I was mm -hmm. very intentional of saying, because out of principle for me, I choose to not see the $650 worth of value. I was very careful to make sure this is not like, oh, I can't afford it. I could spend my money somewhere else, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't think it's worth it. I think it's overpriced. I think they're fleecing us. I think it's a waste of money, but it's not like, you know what I mean? And that to me is a difference. Like, I don't- That's such a powerful distinction. It, it is. Yeah. And that is, I think that's just really important. Now, am I worth $650 jackets? Heck yes, but I don't think that jacket was worth 650 bucks. Mm -hmm. I just was like, honestly, even like my Patagonia jacket was expensive and that was 300 and I love that jacket. So I was just like, this thing's more than twice as much and it's like, as it's the same level of coolness, you know? So I think, but I think that's so important. These are little distinctions, but they're so important. Like, what are we telling ourselves when we say things like, I can't afford it, that's too much money for me to spend. I've never spent that type of money before. When even as entrepreneurs, our job is to create money, you know? So let me ask you this, this will be kind of the final thing before we wrap it up here. How do you use all this energy, law of attraction, woo woo, manifesting stuff in your life and business? Any, any really cool tips or things that go on in your mind to be an awesome manifester? I think it starts with 
setting a really clear intention of what is next, constantly challenging the beliefs and identities that I hold. If I can see what's possible for someone else, then that's a mirror to me that it's possible for me. Mm, And then it's really just about stepping into that. Something that's been really powerful for me, and I know you speak about the be, do, have model quite a bit. Um, I think what I've really come to just even in the last couple of days is this really powerful realization that you're already there. Mm -hmm. You're already there exactly where you need to be. There's nothing that you need to do. There's no milestone to reach. There's no goal to check. That's going to make you more worthy than you are right now. Like you're already worthy. You always were worthy. You will always be worthy. There's nothing that you can do to make you not worthy. And everything that you want starts from within. It starts from being who you want to be because you're already there. And if Um, you believe that you're already there, then you're here and there's nowhere to go. Let me ask you this question because there's like a line in the sand of my career now, Mm -hmm. like 11, 12 years. And the first half I was driven by a need to prove myself and to prove my worthiness, Mm -hmm. prove my enoughness. And I finally broke through that and realized that there was nothing to, nothing to prove and nothing to be worthy of. Like nothing would make me worthy of something. And when people have that realization is beyond a concept it's life-changing, but I was really afraid to have that realization because I thought I would lose my drive, Mm. right? Like if that was driving me, I was afraid that I wouldn't have any drive anymore. And it's actually been quite the opposite for me. And I'm curious, like what drives you right now? What drives you to, to do what you do and show up the way you show up and keep going, keep growing? Fun, Mm. like fun, joy, expansion, I've really, over the last couple of months, I would say probably in the new year in 2019, I really set a clear intention that if it wasn't fun and it wasn't making me feel more vibrant as a human, then I wasn't going to move towards it. Because I'm like, when we look at manifestation, Abraham Hicks talks about your emotional guidance system, that our emotions are literally telling us when we're moving towards things that we don't want or thinking things that we do want or don't want. And just really coming back to that and not ignoring that in the hustle and being head down, like, I just got to finish this. Like, no, if it doesn't feel good, stop doing it and take a step back and get back into alignment before you come back to the work. And so I've just made a commitment to myself that I'm not, that I, I do not want to be available and I will not be available for anything that doesn't make me feel totally stretched or totally excited. And I'm not saying that I'm, I refuse to do things that challenge me or things that are uncomfortable, but I think really learning how to tap into my own intuition and know when something is there for me. And I don't know really how to define that for someone else. I just know that it's a very intuitive sense that I have when something is happening for me. And I'm like, okay, this is uncomfortable, but I have to step into it. And I can still find the fun in it. And the joy Absolutely. in it when I know what's on the other side. Yeah. What is something that you would say like this year has been really fun for you? Oh man, there's been so many great things this year. Besides getting so, engaged. Yes. Got engaged. That was a, that was a crazy moment. Got engaged and my fiance threw me a huge surprise party. And I will say, I shared this, I think with you guys, but at the, in that moment, I think it, because so many things were happening for me and all eyes were on me, that was always something that I wasn't like really wanting to step into And it was like, oh my gosh, all of these people came out for me to celebrate me. And then immediately the next day came to the mastermind that we had in Laguna and everyone was celebrating me. And I was like, it just unlocked this whole other level of being able to receive. 
Yeah, that can be and hard. And that was like huh? such a freaking cool way to start the yeah. year. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I am worthy. And not only can I celebrate myself, but other people are excited for me and want to celebrate with me. Mm-hmm. And that was just like a really beautiful, like that was like a definite distinction where I turned a corner. That was really, really big. Yeah. This and year. what's been, what's been something that's really lit you up and been fun in uh, your business? Team building. Mm, right. Go of things. Oh my gosh. Like, especially with traveling, knowing that things are happening behind the scenes. So good. And I don't have to do it and yeah. that I can fully step into what does bring me joy that's been huge. And I had this realization just the other day, I was in a deep meditation and I saw my adorable niece's face. She's about eight months old. And I just kept hearing, seeing her face and hearing, she is your teacher. She is your teacher. And I got thinking about the way that we all interact when we're around her. Everybody is obsessed with her. Nobody can take their eyes off her. Everybody wants to hug her and hold her and kiss her. And even if you're not holding her at one of the family gatherings, like at the corner of your eye, you're like clocking, like, where's the baby? Where's the Mm. baby? Like, cause you just want to be in her energy. And what I realized is that my job is not to be doing any of the work. My job is to be at that level because that's magnetic leadership. Where you are in such a beautiful, pure state of being and presence that people cannot take their eyes off of you. And I was like, whoa, like that's it. That is the secret. And so I am just at this whole other level of being so deep down the rabbit hole of being committed to not working hard Mm. when it feels out of alignment and just being this person that can hold that level of space for joy and connectedness and presence and all of the things. So I was like, oh my gosh, that is magnetic leadership. Yes. And that's that's the only thing I need to be worried about or not even worried about. That's the only thing I need to be focused on. Right, right, right. Yes. Yeah. Good, mm-hmm. good, good uh, change there. Catch myself. Yeah. A hundred percent. I could not agree and support this decision more. I, I love it. And that's where I'm, what I was talking about. That's like working less. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's just a different type of work. It's that. It's like... Mm-hmm. Without that, it doesn't matter how busy you are, like, especially with the the nature of our business, like no one wants to be around an angry stress case anyway. And no one's going to no a players going to follow a B leader that doesn't have their ish together. You know, I've talked about this with a few people, but and it stings, but you're looking for great team members. An A player is interviewing you before you interview them. And they've are, you know, so anybody is telling the story, there's no great people. It's like, oh no, no, the great people are there. They've just already passed you by. And that's, <laughs> that's a hard blow. I know, that is, but, but it's true, but it's, it's a wake true. up call to yeah. this beautiful phrase you're using magnetic leadership. A mm-hmm. players want to work for, they want to be led by magnetic leaders. Mm-hmm. So step into that and be that. And that's, I'm so happy to hear by the way, that the team piece, because like I always feel that I'm just this and of course I'm more than willing to play this role for mastermind especially but just like everyone's pain in the butt talking about the importance of team and leadership and communication and it always just makes me so happy that people are enjoying it because it it will be like the hardest thing you ever do and I know you've Mm -hmm. had to make some tough decisions 1000 percent yeah it's the most challenging thing it was the scariest thing it was the thing that I resisted the most for the longest amount of time yeah But then I was watching all these other people have all these amazing successes and leave the mastermind and being like, I'm going to go talk to my integrator. We're going to implement all these things. And I I was like, 
just in a complete state of overwhelm because I was still trying to do, do so much of it by myself. Even though I did have some people on my team, I wasn't giving, I wasn't allowing them to take responsibility for certain things. Yeah. And I was still hoarding tasks and, and, and coming from it. So I was like, I'm doing it. I'm doing the action. I'm doing all the things, but I wasn't being the leader that I needed to be mm. in order to have the doing worthwhile. Have you noticed this yet? Cause this is some, this was a surprising thing that happened to us was, I don't know if I've spoken to this, but when you're a powerful manifester, which you are to have been able to create what you've created is evidence of that. You bring on a team and then it just compounds. Mm-hmm. When you have a team that's all manifesting and all in alignment, they have no resistance either. How much more powerful what you're creating. I mean, like, I believe that that is actually one of the secrets to our growth is my entire team is manifesting, visualizing and setting intentions for everything that we create. We have a magic, do you know this? We have like a magic manifestation vision board in the office where everyone puts their goals and like their affirmations on there and everything. Oh, that's awesome. And I feel like I might've known that, but I forgot. Every time awesome. someone puts something on there, it comes to fruition. 100% success rate. I love it. And that's why it's also, just to bring this full circle, how important it is for us as leaders to eliminate these contradictory beliefs because your team will just adopt whatever fears and beliefs you have and they won't stay for very long. They're not going to follow somebody who's like, well, I, I think we shouldn't do this, but I'm afraid to, you know, they're like, yeah. okay, well I'll go work for someone who does believe in what they're doing. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. So that makes me really happy that you're, you're loving that. Every minute that someone on your team is doing something for you is every minute back in your genius zone. And your genius zone is that space where it fuels you, gives you energy, gives you those high vibe yeah. emotions. And it's where all the money comes from and all the impact and the fulfillment and the purpose and the meaning. And it's the juice that keeps you going. People say like, you know, how many people have we seen come and go over the years? Yeah. And I believe that I haven't burnt out, given up, gotten bored because that I, I stay in the, in the genius zone as much as I possibly can, but it's a moving target. It's, mm. it's always moving. Mm-hmm. Cause we're ever changing so that the target moves, it changes and I'm always moving with it as much as I can. Like even today, if something isn't giving me joy that I'm doing the business, I go, Oh, that means it's time to give this to somebody else to do. That's time to let someone else own this. It's such a good like litmus test. Yes. Such a good litmus. This is a fantastic conversation before we wrap up any final thoughts, any words, anything to share that's still on your mind that you'd like to share with our listeners. I just want to say thank you. Like I am just so incredibly grateful like for this conversation and for your leadership, for your mentorship over the last couple of years, because I can say without a doubt, my business would not even be on the, like it would be in a completely different state on a different railroad track. Like I wouldn't even be considering and working and moving towards the things that we are moving towards in the business and in the big Mm. vision, if not for what you have given to me. So thank you so much. Thank you. That means, that means a lot. I really appreciate that. And you've already accomplished so much and I just know there's so much exciting stuff in store for you coming probably sooner than you even think. So (laughs) you keep up the great work. Where can um, everyone else go to learn more about you, follow you and connect with you? Yeah. So I'm everywhere at Hey Jen Casey. It's Jen with one N. So that's Instagram, Facebook, all the places. And also the Inner Boss Podcast. The Inner Boss Podcast. 
tell us a little yeah. bit about that podcast because we got a lot of podcasters here listening. Oh yeah. So the Inner Boss podcast, we dive into all different things around business and strategy. And I have a lot of fun bringing in all the woo and manifestation to the tactical strategic work. It's, it's very based in psychology. So my uh, <laughs> INTJ brain wants mm -hmm. to have an experiment in the science and the psychology and the studies behind all the woo and all the strategy. So I feel like that's the, the glue between all the things that we talk about on that show. A fellow INTJ. Yes. Catherine's an INTJ. She is. Well, you said you were like, you're not an INFJ. There's no way. And just in like hanging out with Catherine this last week, she was like, oh my God, you're such an INTJ. They're so right. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, I, I knew know. I was on the cusp. So, oh, you also have a workshop coming up as well, right? I do. So in the fall in New York city, where I'm from, we are going to be running like a retreat style mastermind that is going to be diving into kind of the psychology behind becoming a really great coach really having the breakthroughs yourself and all around the psychology behind sales and marketing. So it's going to be really small, really intimate group where we can go deep into each person's individual businesses mm. and what's really coming up for them in their lives. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. And if we're interested okay. in more, yeah. So if you guys are interested in learning more, just reach out to me over on Instagram at Hey Jen Casey. And when we open enrollment, depending on when you're listening to this episode, reach out and we will, we can chat some more about seeing if it's the right fit. Awesome. And we will link all of that up in the show notes for you guys. So if you're over on our website, you can just click on those links, connect with Jen, please, by the way, let her know over on the Instagrams, your biggest takeaway from today's episode, our conversation. These are my favorite type of episodes. Cause we just, we just chat about anything and everything that comes up. We didn't have much of a, a specific agenda and like, here's the seven steps to something stupid. <laughs> it's just like, let's talk about what's real, what's coming up for us, what's working for us. What's what people are dealing with, all that good stuff. So I really hope you got value today. And if you did, please reach out to Jen, let her know, because I know she's the type of person that is fueled by the uh, impact she's having in the world. And we need that feedback. We need to know that feedback mm -hmm. is there. So please let her know. Hey, Jen Casey over on the Instagram, follow her. She's amazing. I'm so excited that you wanted to come on the podcast. And well, I bugged you about it. I was like, please, oh my God. please I'm like, on. I was like, really me? I was so excited. <laughs> I'm like, yes. yes. And I, I mean, I could geek out with you all day, not just because we're INTJ and into all the same things, but yeah, you're just up to awesome things and you're amazing. So thank you. Thank you for, for being here. Really appreciate it. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in here to another episode of the Mind Your Business Podcast. We'll see you all here next time, whenever that is. Take care. Neuroscience tells us that your brain doesn't match your beliefs to fit your life. It matches your life to fit your beliefs. In other words, if you want to change your life, change your beliefs. Inside my newest book, Hardwired for Entrepreneurship, I reveal the real difference that makes the difference between the few high-performing entrepreneurs that go on to build multi-million dollar businesses that impact hundreds of thousands of people's lives versus the vast majority who struggle, burn out, break down, and inevitably give up. And the difference ain't in a funnel, launch strategy, or marketing hack. The difference comes down to what's going on between your ears. So are you wired for entrepreneurship? Grab your free copy to find out now. Just visit jameswedmore.com forward slash wired. There's no funnel, no pitch, no sale, nada. Just a good old fashioned read that's going to blow your mind.